Warning, this show may contain adult language that is not suitable for all audiences. This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter. This is the interview edition, and we have a lot of good interviews to get through this week, as we do every week. If you're not listening to the show on a weekly basis, you see the lineup for this week. You see that Derek Lewis is on, Dana White's on, Michael Chies is on, Vicente Luque is on, Coach Bob Perez. Get some clips from him. If you're seeing that and you're like, wow, this is a, this is a great lineup, well, you should listen every week. You do have great interviews week after week, and we encourage you to listen to them on a weekly basis. We encourage you to rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. It goes a long way for us, and we appreciate that. The listenership it continues to grow for the show, and I am confident that if you're listening to this for the first time, you will enjoy the show week in and week out. And if you're only interested in the interviews, you can listen to the interview edition. If you're only interviewed and uh, interested in the uh, talk part of the show, where it's myself and Bazooka Joe Valtellini chopping it up and talking about the latest news stories. I don't know what you're listening to this for right now, but hopefully uh, you want to check out my interviews as well. But you can listen to that, just that. We, we separate the shows for your listening pleasure. And uh, as I teed up already, we've got the UFC president Dana White on the show. We've got Derek Lewis, the Black Beast, challenging for the interim heavyweight title this week against Cyril Ghosn on the show. We've got Michael Chiesa, Vicente Luque, who will be facing each other. They're going to be on the show. And I got to chat with uh, Coach Bob Perez a little bit about uh, what makes Derek Lewis tick. I'm always curious about Derek Lewis. Now, we had some audio issues for that show, so uh, for that interview, rather. So I'll, I'll put together a little piece of that that you can, you can check out because I, I like listening to Coach Bob and what he had to say about Derek Lewis. Uh, very interesting person to speak with. So let's get to it. We're going to start with UFC President Dana White, who joins us to talk about UFC 265 and everything else in the world of mixed martial arts. On the heels of UFC 265, I'm joined by UFC President Dana White, and I know you look at the odds. The odds for this weekend's card are way off, in my opinion. Cyril Gunn's a 4-1 to favorite against Derek Lewis. I was just curious about your thoughts on that. I agree with you 100%. That's insanity. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, Gunn is undefeated. His stand-up is unbelievable. The guy moves around like a middleweight. Um, but, you know, how many times has Derek Lewis been counted out? And all it takes is for him to land that one big punch. Um, and he will land some punches in a five-round fight. And he beat the champ. He, he's, he, he, he beat um, Francis Ngannou. Uh, so what makes this fight so great as a heavyweight fight is he does have that one-punch power that he can do it. We're going to find out uh, how Cyril Gunn deals with pressure, being in the first big, massive fight that he's ever really been in. Um, and... He's never fought Ngannou before, and uh, Derek Lewis actually has a win over Ngannou. So you couldn't make a more perfect heavyweight fight than this one. I, I think Gon is a phenomenal technical striker. I think that he is a, a master at controlling the reach, but I just think you look at a heavyweight fight and you see a 4-1 to one favorite, that just blows my mind. It's insane. Ah, but <laughs> listen, you know what's fun about it? If you, if you were watching boxing and a guy was a 4-1 to one favorite, you have absolutely zero f***ing chance of winning uh, with the underdog. In this sport, get out there and make some money. Now, outside of, the main, outside of the main event, almost every fight's even money. Is there a fight in particular where you just have no idea how this one's going to go? It could play out in a, a million different ways? Yeah, I, I love this card. Uh, you know, if I had to pick 
other than the main event, my other favorite fight, it would be Luke versus Kiesa. Um, I love that fight. It's going to be a fun one. Two, two rising stars, two studs. Um, you know, is Luke going to be able to keep Kiesa off him? And is Kiesa going to be able to take one of those shots from Luke? I agree with you. I have no clue how that fight or Aldo versus Munoz goes. Those are just two very close fights. Uh, UFC 266 coming up next month. There were reports that this fight's going to be on, uh, on ESPN+. Plus. It's not going to be a pay-per-view. The first numbered event in a long time where that's the case. Uh, can you confirm that? Which one's 266? And Fight Island in October. Oh, sorry, 267. Yes. I got the wrong that one. 267. True. Yeah, yeah, Fight Island, th- that one will not be on paper. It's, it's still in the air, but more than likely it will not be a pay-per-view. And if I get my way, which I hopefully do, it'll be on ABC for free. And, and that card is awesome. So will that might be taking place like at night local time and in the afternoon uh, stateside? It'll be it'll be uh, prime time local on Fight Island, and then yeah, so it'll be here, I guess, early in the morning. This past weekend, Sean Strickland. I mean, the guy's got a few screws loose, but he did have a dominant win over <laughs> Uriah Hall. Uh, now Israel Adesanya has beaten almost every guy in this division. He's almost cleaned out the division. Sean Strickland, I think, is a, a, a solid challenge for him. Where does he stand in the division right now? A, a solid challenge for who? For Israel. I mean, he's a guy that could be a, a future contender. I don't think he's getting a title shot right away, but where does he stand right now in the division, in your opinion? Yeah, I, I agree. No, he's a bad boy. Um, tough, durable, keeps coming forward, um, you know, walks you down and beats you down. Um, I think we're trying to make him a Luke Rockhold right now. We're waiting for Luke Rockhold to see if he's going to accept the fight. Oh, so Strickland versus Rockhold. That's, that's an interesting one. Very similar body types. Yeah. We're waiting on Rockhold, so we'll see. Yeah, I know Luke has been, I guess, he hasn't been uh, excited about a lot of the opponents you've thrown at him, but Sean Strickland makes a lot of sense. Yeah, this one should excite him. The NFL lately has implemented a plan where uh, athletes that they have are not, if they're not vaccinated and there's some sort of outbreak, you're going to see the forfeiture of games. Now, the reason I bring this up is because the co-main event Last week, one of the co-main events between Hani Yaya and Kyung Ho Kang fell out on the day of the fight because Yaya contracted COVID-19. He had told Kambache that he had no plans of getting vaccinated prior to this happening. Is there going to be anything similar in the UFC? I know you guys are trying to safeguard your product and you don't want to see these fights fall out at zero hour. True, but I would never tell another human being what to do with their body. If you want to get vaccinated, that's up to you. That's, that's your choice. You're never going to hear me say... I'm going to force people to get vaccinated. Never going to happen. I don't think you'd be allowed to do that. I don't think the NFL are allowed to do that. You've got independent contractors. I, I think a lot of people are doing that. They're telling you in New York, you can't go into a restaurant or a gym unless you're vaccinated and can prove it and things like that. Some people are getting fired if they don't get vaccinated. Yeah, that's, that's not going to happen here. If you want to get vaccinated, get vaccinated. If you don't, that's, that's, that's your decision, your body. Well, further to that, in November, you, you were still looking to do an event at MSG, and you mentioned these new regulations that came into effect in New York today. Does that uh, put a pin in anything? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see as this stuff starts to play out. I told you guys a million times, I, I, I'm going to go wherever I can run a normal event. You know, we, 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 I, I said that I would be first, and I would do the first indoor sold-out, you know, uh, arena with no, with, with no social distancing and, and no masks and none of that stuff. We did it. We did it in Florida. We did it in Texas. We did it in Arizona. We did it in Vegas. We're going to sell out again this weekend in Texas. 
Um, I don't know what the future holds or what's going to happen as this stuff continues to play. I, I, I wasn't ready a year and a half ago. I'm ready for anything now. So I, I don't care what happens, how it goes, how these different states run their stuff. I don't care anymore. I'm ready to roll. I, 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 I have, I have plans now. So, uh, but New York is still the plan if you can pull it off in November. Yeah, if we can pull it off. I mean, we were supposed to go to um, um, England, and, and that didn't work out. So uh, we're moving that to Vegas, and you know, the plan is New York. But if New York doesn't work out, I'll move it somewhere that it will. You just mentioned before that Houston might be a sellout. Amanda Nunes falling off the card didn't uh, affect that whatsoever? It might not be a sellout. It is a sellout. It will sell out. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, Houston. Derek Lewis, obviously a big uh, big draw in his hometown. Uh, Houston's this- a sellout. We're almost sold out in Vegas, too. For 266? Yeah. I'm surprised people, that the tickets are still available. People should snap those up. Uh, <laughs> uh, AJ McKee this past weekend, big prospect for Bellator. He's won 18 fights in a row for Bellator. After the fact, he's calling out all your guys. He's calling out Max Holloway, Brian Ortega, Volkanovski. Uh, co-promotion, I imagine, is not in the cards. But what do you think of AJ McKee? And how do you think he would do against your guys? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Um, you know, um, when his contract's up, uh, he'll have to call him. We'll see what we can do. He said he met you when he was like 10 or 11 years old backstage in the event. Do you have any recollection of this? No, but uh, I heard about it. That's awesome. I, listen, if, uh, apparently I owe him lunch. So, uh, you know, I, I, w- I, will, I will pay my dues and, and, and uh, buy him lunch. I know you like a good story like that. If somebody comes up to you when they're a kid and says they're going to be a champion one day. It's, it's one of my favorite things ever. Not, not just... Not just that, but when, when somebody uh, is a kid, you know, I, I, me, I, something happened the other day with this guy who told me, uh, came up to me and told me the story about when he was a kid and how he watched the UFC growing up and all this stuff. And, and after I talked to the kid, I called Lorenzo and I was like, you remember when we used to talk about this and, you know, all that type of stuff is happening now. And to hear a, a story like McKee, it's, it's cool. And uh, I look forward to buying him lunch. Well, these second-generation fighters are going to be, I think it's, I mean, he was three years old, and he's putting people in leg locks, and he's got a three-year-old brother putting people in leg locks. I mean, it's just, it's cool to see. It's, it's awesome. And finally, the last time I interviewed you, you were more like Dana Claus than Dana White. I asked you for one fight in the war room, and you gave me, uh, of course, it wasn't done yet, but you gave me Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler. Now, uh, I'm, I'm going to continue to make this a tradition. You're in the war room. Give me something from uh, November, October, November. It can be the first fight on the card, last fight on the card. I gave you one of the biggest fights of the year, and now you want more. Well, I mean, hey, I've, I, it never hurts to ask. <laughs> uh, let's see. I told Lene, I thought you were going to give me like an Andre Ewell fight, and I would have been perfectly happy with that. All right, I don't, I don't know if this is out yet, but we're working on... Main event, November 13th, probably Vegas, Max Holloway and Yair Rodriguez. I like that fight. A lot of people were talking about that one being a possibility. It's not out there yet, but it's, is that one done or is it's in the works still? What did you just ask me? Give me something that's not done, but that you're possibly working <laughs> no, I just, on. It I asked for something on the done. wall. Not done. So, so don't have all the goofball MMA sites out there uh, saying that it's, it's not done. We are working on it. I put it in caps last time. I think it was effective. People weren't saying it was done when, uh, when I did it last time. I'll do it again this time. Perfect. <laughs>
It's UFC 265 this weekend, headlined by Cyril Gaon, Derek Lewis, interim title. Again, I think the odds are way off. Looking forward to this one, Dana. Thanks for your time. Thank you, brother. Have a great day. I'm pleased to be joined now by the Black Beast, Derek Lewis, who will be uh, facing Cyril Gaon at UFC 265 for the interim heavyweight championship of the world in Houston, Texas, your backyard. Now, we've spoken in the past. And you've mentioned you don't really like fighting at home. You, you feel like it's hard for you to have the, uh, the fight week mentality when you're going back to your house. Uh, are you doing anything to emulate kind of being away from home during fight week? Um, no, I guess we're just going to stay in the hotel. No, I've never been to this hotel before, so I guess it would be like I'm, I'm away from home. Well, even though you have told me that, you've never lost a fight in the state of Texas, and most of your fights are in the state of Texas. Yes. <laughs> Stay in Houston. Never lost a fight in Houston. Well, I never lost in Texas, period. But, yeah. Yeah, never lost a fight in the state of Texas. But you, or in Canada, mm-hmm. my backyard. You've never lost a fight in Canada. Yeah, yeah. It was real cold out there, too. So, <laughs> I didn't like all that. Yeah, you were, in, I guess, in Halifax in, like, the winter. That was the, that was the one where the hotel was snowed in, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it was, like, 10 feet of snow. That was crazy. I never seen that much snow before. I never even seen snow before until I went to Canada. That was pretty cool, though. You get snow in Houston like once in a blue moon, don't you? I, I, I remember seeing that the, the roads had been closed down there because there was like an inch of snow on the ground. <laughs> oh, you trying to cap? Okay. <laughs> All right, I see what type of interview this is. It's going to be real short. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we get snow every four or five years, maybe. I'm not trying to rip Houston. I know it's an infrastructure thing. Why would you guys invest in snow plows when the guys, so, like you said, get snow every four or five years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we don't have the right proper gear. You're right. So we don't <laughs> like snow down here. Well, yeah, I don't blame you. I, I live in Toronto and I don't like snow up here. So I, you know, I, I'm not going uh, to fight you on that one. Uh, Cyril Gunn, I know you don't watch a lot of MMA. You've, you've mentioned this to me before, but you were watching Volkov versus Gunn. Because I remember on Twitter you wrote, like, this, this is like a karate match. So what made you decide to watch mm-hmm. that particular fight? Uh, because they already had told me that we was going to wanted the, the winner. I'll be fighting the winner um, for the title, for the intern title. They already had told me that before the fight was over with before the fight even happened. So I wanted to watch it. So was there a chance you were going to face Volkov in a rematch? Had he won that fight? Yes, it was a chance, yes. But they really wanted Gunn to win anyway, so, you know, it worked out for them. Well, I'm sure they didn't tell you that directly, did they? (laughs) Well, you know, it's the new blood, so I'm not going to... If they didn't tell you, they didn't tell me. Okay, (laughs) let's keep moving. Next question. (laughs) All right. <laughs> what did you take away from that fight when you watched it? Oh, it was just like a kickboxing karate fight. That's all it was. You know, of course, a guy not going to get tired if he's not really doing anything. You know, he's standing back and waiting and kicking every now and then, throwing strikes. You know, I could do that all day. I could do that and not get tired. But once you start going out there and trying to pressure a guy and try to really knock him out, hurt the guy, then let's see how good that gas tank is. Do you feel like he's going to be an annoying guy to fight, just stylistically? Oh, I believe so. You know, I believe that he's going to try to kick and stay away, do all this little teep and stay away and try to catch me um, being aggressive or trying to, like, trying to frustrate me. I could see him trying to do that and trying to get me to come in to commit to something and he'll try to counter with some crazy kicks or something like that. 
Do you think that's that, uh, I guess, sort of style is, is not, I guess, that appealing to the heavyweight division and people watching the heavyweight division? Yeah, for sure. People don't like styles like that. You know, they like guys to go out there and take a chance. You know, um, don't try to um, be cautioned the whole fight. It's nothing wrong with being cautioned, but don't be like that the whole fight. You know, go out there and try to take a chance. You know, let me touch you one time. That's all. Now, I did a deep dive on your career today. And I uh, came up with the following information. So you have you have not lost a fight to somebody anybody right now that's currently on the UFC roster. And if you beat Cyril Gunn, you'll have beaten fifty percent of the guys in the top fifteen of the division. Did you know any of that info? <laughs> no, I didn't. No, I didn't. I got other stuff. I'm married, actually. Um, no, I don't have time to be searching stuff like that. But yeah, I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Did you say you're married so you don't have time to look that kind of information up? Yeah, I'm not worried about all these men in the UFC. Yeah, I got other stuff to do. <laughs> I'm married too, but I mean, this is my job, right? So I, I hope oh, that wasn't the okay. shot. All right. uh, okay. no, I'm chasing three kids around here, Derek, but I, I have to find the time to make sure that I'm, I'm well prepared for this kind of interview. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen toys in the background. I didn't think he was married. You know, I thought, <laughs> I didn't think, okay. That's cool. Now, this is just the set. I mean, I don't, I don't collect these, uh, these, these bobbleheads or whatever they are. What are they, the, the vinyl toys, uh, Funko Pops? No, I don't know. I've never seen them before. I don't know. My kids don't play with their like laptops and be on their cell phone all day watching YouTube. But they're not watching their neighbor Ryan's toy review. They're not watching that. Oh yeah, they watch him. They watch him. Um, they actually was in class with him. They say it was mean to him. They was mean to my boys. So they saying, you know, they want to fight him on site. Actually, <laughs> you mentioned this to me in a, in a previous interview that you that they, he goes to school with them. He hasn't changed his behavior at all. Um. My, that's what my son said. He's rude. He's rude to my uh, to my kids, you know. So they want to lay some paws on Ryan, and whenever they catch him from the schoolhouse, you know, they don't want to do it at school. So <laughs> I understand. And you said he's he's like your neighbor. He lives like a couple streets away. Yes, yes. So you could make a cameo on Ryan's toy review if they asked you to. <laughs> nah, <laughs> if they pay me, yeah. Gets a lot of eyeballs. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm not worried about all that. If they pay me, yeah, I'll do it. But ask me to do it for free, no. Now, I know, like you said, you're married. You don't have a lot of time to research UFC stuff. But uh, have you heard that the co-main event on uh, UFC 265 is off, unfortunately? Amanda Nunes uh, tested positive for COVID, according to her social media, and is not going to be competing. Does that add any sort of pressure for you to put on a show? <laughs> not at all you know I, I told everybody i don't care who's who's fighting on my car you know who's fighting with me you know i don't i didn't even look at the whole card to see who's who's all fighting you know i just know it's the me and gun and amanda nunez and whoever she's fighting you know because i've seen the commercial of it other than that i don't know who's on the car yet but i'm i'm searching for today and look at two who's going to be the new co-main event now. But to me, I don't care about all of that. And the only reason why I knew Amanda Nunes, who's um, she pulled out of whatever happened to her, is because um, I was waiting for the soccer game to come on. And I was watching volleyball, USA versus um, Turkey. And I seen the news break then. But you know who's on the co-main event of the next pay-per-view, right, in September? No. It's Lauren Murphy, your teammate. Has, has the environment changed at all uh, under Coach Bob Perez with uh, with Lauren going for a championship and back-to-back months with you? Yeah, um, hopefully Bob don't die on us. You know, I'm, I think he's going to have a heart attack because 
it's stressful for him, you know, to have two fights, fight for a title and fighting against two good opponents, you know. Um, so it's real stressful for him. He want us to go out there and perform at 100% and look good out there and come home with the belt, especially both of us. We both live in Houston now, you know. Has Coach changed at all? Is he starting to get, uh, you know, get get a bit of an ego because he's got two uh, fighters going for the championship? Oh, no, he, he doesn't change. He doesn't care about ego and all that. He's still the same guy, you know. Um, that's the reason why I've been working with him for so long. You know, he didn't, he never changed. And we know we fought for a title before and he didn't change on, on me. So, you know, he's a good guy. You know, a lot of guys um, should get a chance to try to train with him. I'm, pre I'm pretty sure a lot of the previous guys that trained with him before have nothing but good things to say about him. And he's real knowledgeable in um, MMA. I feel like you uh, you downplay how much knowledge you have. I saw you at Helwani's trivia thing. You were doing really well up until the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess you could say, yeah, I'm a fighter. I know common sense. You know, I got common sense in fighting. You know, that's about it. But uh, mixed martial arts, um, like the, the submissions and all that, I don't know the name of. I can show you how you, how to get into it or how to get out of it. I don't know how what, what it's called, the submission, what it's called. But, you know, I watch a little fighting here and there, a little jiu-jitsu matches. If I asked you to name all of the UFC champions, how many would you be able to name, would you think? Oh, I couldn't name. No. Nah, nah. I don't even know the weight classes. <laughs> I really don't. I don't even know how many weight classes it is in the UFC. Um, I can name Osania. He's 185, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, I don't know who the 205 is. Um, and the Walter weight. I don't know what, what weight is that. That's 170? That's 170, yeah. Okay, um, 170. Who's 170? Is that um Uzma? You got that one? All right, we're good. We're rolling. 155. 155? Yeah, 155. That's Khabib's old division. I'll give you a hint. I don't know who that is. He used to live in Houston, the guy that's the champion now. He used to live in Houston. I don't know, 155. I don't know. It's Charles Oliveira. He lived in Houston. He had a cup oh, of coffee yeah, in Houston. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was just at that fight. Yeah, I was at that fight. <laughs> yeah, Charles. Okay. And what's the next weight class after that? We got, we got featherweight, 145. 145. I don't know. I don't know. All right, so you're not watching Tough? This season of Tough hasn't been appealing to you? Oh, no. I know. <laughs> no, it's like um, Atlanta Housewives. I don't watch that stuff like that. <laughs> No. Then we got 135? I don't know. And we got 125, the lightest uh, weight class. Do you know that one? 125. No, I know Demetrius Johnson was the champion, right? That's right. I don't, know who, I don't know who it is now. All right, and then for the women's division, you got 115, 125, 35, 45. No, I don't watch, <laughs> I don't watch women fighting. Oh, the last woman fight I watched was... Um, Ronda Rousey. Mm -hmm. And Lauren you Murphy, know, your teammate. You watch Lauren Murphy's fights. Yeah, I watch Lauren Murphy fights. Yeah, I watch her fights. I watch her fights, but um, that was about it because I have to watch her fight because sometimes we have watch parties. You know, we watch her fights. My wife likes her um, as a fighter. Um, I like her too as a fighter. She's a good girl. She's cool. 
but I don't really watch one of the fights. Are you going to go to her fight in, in September in Vegas? Um, that'd be great. Yeah, I think yeah we might make a family trip out there and go out there and support her. Yeah. So do you do you talk to your family at all during fight week? Or do you say like you know I need I need my space for for uh, fight week? Or do they watch the fights? How involved are they in fight week for you? Um, my kids don't care, but my wife she does. She's she's very supportive. She gets nervous and stuff like that as well. Um, but she'll be there. Um. That's about it. She she the only one really support me. No one else does. Like my other family, they don't really support me. I got my brothers, uncles, aunts. They they do, but everyone else don't. All right, Derek. It was a pleasure catching up with you as always. It's UFC 265 in Houston, Texas. Yourself, Cyril Gane, the uh, interim championship of the heavyweight division on the line. If you do win, when would you like to fight for the heavyweight championship against Francis for the undisputed title? Um, it don't matter. It'd be great. It'd be this year sometime, you know, come out with no injuries, nothing like that, no eye pokes. Uh, I believe he's going to try to poke me in my eye, too. You know, the way his stance is, he'll try to poke me coming in. I watch. You got to watch that. I'm telling you, he's going to do it. Well, he you does, know, he does keep his arms extended when he's trying to control the distance. Is that what you're worried yeah, about? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's going to poke me in my eye. He's um, southpaw. You know, I might switch up on him, too. Might come out southpaw. You know, um, he's going to see something that he never seen before. You know, um, hopefully he fight me just like he fought Volkov and the other guy, the black dude that they say they look like me. I got his name. Rosenstreich. Rosenstreich. Yeah, strike. Yeah. I just remember that they fought. I don't think that you look like him. I, just, just for the record. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> they say same haircut, you know, black guy, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, bald head. Say we look alike, so. Mm. You also said people have mistaken you for Shaq in public. Yes, yes, I get that. You know, that's typical. Usually it's some old person that's saying something like that. Shaq's like a foot taller than you are. Oh, yeah, he's <laughs> taller than that. I'm like a small point guard next to Shaq. All right, Derek. Well, thanks again for your time. Appreciate it. Best of luck at uh, UFC 265. All right, thank you. Thank you. You going to be there or what? I'm not. I'm stuck up in your, up here in Canada. Although I'd love to, you know, I'd love to go to my old stomping ground of uh, Montrose. It's a beautiful place in Houston. Oh man, I knew it was something. <laughs> I knew. It. I forgot. I forgot. I knew that was your stomping ground, Montrose. <laughs> yep, I knew it when I seen them toys in the background. But all right, uh, thanks for having me, man. Uh, Eric, my pleasure. <laughs> Take care. Yeah. Pleased to be joined now by Michael Chiesa, who is facing Vicente Luque this weekend at UFC 265. This main card, aside from the main event, every single fight on the main card is almost an even money fight, which is uh, pretty remarkable. Vicente Luque, this guy's a scary guy. I mean, you follow the sport, of course, you cover the sport. Do you have a different approach to this one than you have previous opponents in the welterweight division? Um, you know, that's a good question. Um, yeah, there's some, definitely some things we're going to do different in this fight. There's, you know... Everybody has everybody has their style. Everybody has their things they do well. But uh, you know, I think that my success in the sport has come from finding finding new ways to to get to what I do best. And you know, there's definitely some things I'm gonna do a lot different than this fight than I did my last one. Um, this is a fight where I feel like I'm, I'm gonna have to put all my weapons on display. You know, I've been able to go out and kind of get to my wheelhouse with a lot of these guys. 
uh, with my grappling, but this is a fight where I feel like I'm going to have to use all of my skills um, and have like a full display of mixed martial arts. So there's definitely going to be some things I do different in this fight, but nonetheless, I'm excited for the challenges that he possesses. That's what I'm in the sport for, Aaron. I'm not here to find easy fights or, uh, you know, there's a million other things I could do in life that, that pay better. You know, I just, I love the challenges. I love competition. And uh, that's what I'm here for. And I feel like this is going to be a very highly competitive fight. Now, I know a lot of fighters, you know, if they say they're getting a good night's sleep before a fight, they're probably lying. But, you know, I've spoken to Charles Jordan, the Canadian fighter in the UFC, and he tells me that he wants to fight the scariest guys possible. He says, I don't get up for a fight unless I'm scared of my opponent. He, he wanted to fight Duho Choi. He beat Duho Choi. He wanted to fight Cub Swanson down the line. He, he wanted to fight Andre Feely, who he, he lost a split decision to. But he likes to worry about the guy that he's going to be facing. Are you the same way? You know, how do you look at, at your opponents when you're going into a fight? And uh, what do you think about at night when you're thinking about Vicente Luque? Well, you know, as weird as this, this is really weird, Aaron. I actually sleep the best during fight week. I really do. I don't know what it is. I just, when I get to fight week, I just like the training gets toned down. You know, it, it, it's, it's less stressful to be at fight week than it is to be in training camp. Cause it's like the hard work's done. There's, there's not much more to stress about. You're here. And like I said, this is what I enjoy. I enjoy competition, but I agree with Charles where, uh, I, I, I like the, I like the threat. I like when there's a guy that possesses a, a high level of threat and a high level of danger because it heightens my senses. And I feel like I fight better. I don't want to fight a guy, you know, I don't want to name particular opponents that I faced in the past, but you know, I train hard for every fight, but there's been a few fights where like, I feel like they've been kind of gimme fights and I, I, I did it. I trained hard, but I didn't go out and perform my best. I feel like my best performance is a bit a bit against the guys that are the most dangerous and the most skilled. Um, and so I feel like I perform better. And when I, when I might, when my sentence, when my senses are heightened, when the, when the threat of danger is very eminent and somebody, So I, I always just feel that um, I perform better when when the threat of danger is just is just very much more apparent. You know, I, when when uh, when a guy's more dangerous and my sentence are heightened, I feel like I perform at my best. Um, I train hard for every fight, no matter who I'm fighting. But uh, I feel like it's just there's something different when I know that somebody's very dangerous. When I know it's like I'm not favored to win. I guess you could say when 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 I'm an underdog or. It's a, it's a close back and forth fight. Like you said, this this card, aside from the main event, is pick them fights. These are going to be highly competitive fights. I think like those are the fights I prepare the best for, I have the best camps for, and things kind of go well for me. So I'm really excited to, to get out there and perform against Vicente Luque. Your division's been kind of an odd one as of late. Uh, you had Jorge Masvidal getting another title shot after losing his first fight in pretty dominant fashion. You got Colby Covington getting another title shot after only fighting one time against the guy who's no longer in the UFC. Uh... What do you think is happening in this division? I mean, Leon Edwards seems to be getting overlooked, and I think that last round against Nate Diaz really hurt his stock, even though he won, you know, uh, whatever, 20, 24 minutes of that fight. I think that that fight really hurt his stock. What's going on in your division, and, and do you think that the winner of your fight is going to be that person that emerges as, as the next contender? I think the, I think whoever wins this fight should emerge as the next contender. I mean, even if Vicente gets the best of me and beats me, I think he should move on and fight for the title. If I, if I get past Vicente Luque, I think I should be the guy. Um, you know, and, and for me, Aaron, I'm right now, I'm just, I'm, I'm not focused on what comes after this fight. I feel like that would be a mistake for me. Um, I, I think that it's, it's a wrap. It, it's, it's a race at, at 170 pounds right now as to who's going to be the next guy for Kamaru Usman. 
you know, but Kamaru does have to get past Colby Covington, and we saw how how close that fight was. And if Colby beats Kamaru, they're going to have to run that back, and there's going to be a trilogy. Um, you know, but it's just one of those things where I'm just I, I'm just not focused on what comes after this fight. You know, I know what my goals are. They've always been the same ever since I won the Ultimate Fighter. I want to be a world champion. I want to fight for a world title. Um, do I am I aware that that's that I'm closer to that goal than I have ever been in my career? Absolutely, but I'm just not looking towards that. I'm not. I'm not looking. I that would mean I'm looking past Vicente Luque, and that that would be a huge mistake. This is not the guy to look past. This is not the guy to start making these talks about. You know why I should be the next guy. You know I, I I've said it a few times and in, 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 in early on in the camp, but now at this point it's like. I'm just so tunnel vision focused on Vicente that I'm just I'm not gonna I'm not gonna look past this guy and and start you know talking about what I should get after this because I still got to go through 15 minutes of hell with Vicente Luque so it'd be a mistake for me to start um, trying to set myself up for what comes after this fight. All right, be brutally honest with me here because I've always wondered this and I'm and you're a guy that's always been a straight shooter with me. <laughs> Do fighters hate when people ask them about who they want to fight next or who they, you know, about the title picture during fight week when you have such an important mission ahead of you? Uh, it's part of what we do. And I, I, for whatever reason, you fall into these bad habits of always wanting to ask people this, even though I think it's just a dreaded question for somebody who's trying to really focus on something that's just a couple days away. You know, not for some guys. It's, I, I would tell you straight. I would tell you if that was a terrible question. I have no problem being like, yeah, that was a bad question. You know, that that's... There's some guys that have the headspace and the capacity to do that, where they're like, yeah, once I beat this guy, I know what I want next. You know, it's there, who I want next, or things of that sort. Um, that's not a bad question. It just depends on the fighter. You know, I just think that a lot of us, we get to fight week, and you start brushing shoulders with your opponent, you start seeing him around, and all of a sudden, I think a lot of guys will just kind of lose focus of the thing that they want next, and they're like, oh, my guy's here. We're in the same hotel. I just want to focus on him, you know, but um, like I said, if that's if that was a question asked early on in the camp, yeah, I, 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 there's a few interviews I'm sure where I came out and said like, yeah, yeah, I think I should be the next guy. But as the fight gets closer, and now that I'm here at fight week and I'm four days away from the fight, I'm just like, I don't even care about what comes next. I, I have this thing where it's like, you know, I gotta like, it's uh, yeah, there, there is no tomorrow for August seventh. If I gotta die out there, I gotta die out there. So I just don't even think about like what, what comes what comes after Vicente Luque, because I know that I have the toughest fight ahead of me that I've had in my entire career. This guy's a dangerous, dangerous finisher. He can knock you out. He can submit you. He has so many weapons. So it's 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 damn near impossible for me to give you an answer as to what I want next after this fight. Well, what was it like being back on Tough? You were uh, you were on the season of Tough for a little bit. I, I think the fighter's name is Brady Heastan that you're trading with. I'm, I'm bad with names sometimes. Yeah. But uh, what was yeah. it like to be back on the show? Man, it was really cool. Um, that's something that I definitely want. You want to talk about a bucket list thing in my career. I, I would love to coach the Ultimate Fighter, man. I think it would be so great. Um, I feel like I have a lot of a knowledge to offer. Tournament. I mean, I, I was on the longest, hardest season, 13 straight week. Oh, where, where'd you go? There you are. Yep. Um, you know, yeah, I... I uh, yeah, sorry, my screen froze. Um, you know, yeah, I, I, it was great to be back on the show. I, I've always had a good relationship with Volkanovski, so it was really cool to get out there and uh, get to see Brady. And it was on his birthday when I got to go on the show, so that was great. And uh, you know, it's it's a it's a I, I still believe it's the best breeding ground for prospects. I think that it's awesome when you really get to like 
throw these guys in this environment where you take away their phones and their outlets and they're forced to fight. And I think you really get to, it gives fans an opportunity to like get to know the fighters and connect with them to where if they make it to the UFC, they already have an established fan base compared to like, if a guy goes on contender series, like if he doesn't have a story, you know, he's got to win a few fights before people can kind of connect with him. We're on the ultimate fighter. It's kind of a compassionate type of setting where people get to know these guys as they go through the tournament, get to hear their life stories and, see the clips of them, them at home and uh, all sorts of different stuff. But I'm a big a proponent for the ultimate fighter. And, and someday I would love to coach it. Hey, you're on tough live. That was the hardest season of tough guys like Joe Proctor on the show. Ally Akinta. That was a, that was a, a deep field. Um, well, with Brady, I, I was looking at his record before he joined tough. Like I saw the list of guys on the show and he hadn't fought anybody that was really tough. Now, the reason why I say that is because, are there guys like just regionally the people ha- that they kind of have a reputation like you don't want to fight this guy and that's why they have a lot of trouble fighting guys with good records? I mean, he ended up beating Reddinghouse, who has an amazing record and has fought for the championship in the World Series of Fighting. Like, I-, I always wonder about that because it must be hard to get your break if you're not able to find tough matchups regionally. Well, the the tough thing for Brady is you know he fought um, you know his only loss is he lost to that Chad and Allinger guy. He, he's a Canadian kid in Rise FC. Um, I always pronounce last name wrong. I the ultimate fighter. And, uh, you know, in, in during the state of 2020, you know how hard it was to get guys fights. You know what I mean? It was damn near impossible. I mean, it was hard. We had guys in the gym training, a lot of guys that were ready to go, and there was nowhere for them to go compete. Um, so when the ultimate fighter came around, you know, I uh, – I, I'm not going to lie. I, I've never in my career called uh, – I, I have a good relationship with, with the producers of Tough. I'm not going to name names. I don't know if this would get them in trouble or something like that. But uh, I uh, I called him you know, because Brady went to tryouts and he did well. And I had heard that they, they looked at his record and they were reluctant to put him on the show. And it's the one time in my career where I called him and I said, look, guys, I, I don't pull this card out. I've never pulled this card out. But I won this show – I train with good guys. I mean, we've had two tough winners from our gym. I think that speaks for itself. I go, this is the one time I'm going to pull the card and say, you got to put this guy on the show. You won't be disappointed. Like I, I, it's like, I feel like if you're a tough winner, you, and you've made it to the UFC and had a good career, I feel like you can call them and be like, Hey, this is the one time I have a teammate. I'm pulling that card out. You got to put him on the show. You got to take my word for it. And uh, I doubled down on it and it, it paid off because now he's in the semifinals against Vince Murdoch. Uh, but we, but we, like you said, you saw in his fight with Josh Reddinghouse, the guy's world-class and he's 22 years old. Um, you know, in, in prior, you know, before his first loss, he never trained with us. He was in a different team. So he spent time training with us. He's rounded off his game. He's a totally different fighter, full-time firefighter. The kid's the complete package. I mean, coaches, kids, jujitsu, just a good all around guy. So it's really cool to see him on the ultimate fighter and having success. It seems like he's always got a smile on his face. Last question for you. Uh, you mentioned that you've had two tough winners. The other is Juliana Pena. She was supposed to be on this card in the co-main event. Uh, that fell through. It looks like it's being postponed. I don't know to when. Uh, and another tough winner that you trained with at Syndicate MMA, uh, Nico Montano, was released from the promotion yesterday after missing weight. Um, I don't know if you've been in touch with either of them lately, but I'm curious what your thoughts are on those two things. You know, I haven't spoke to Nico um unfortunate situation such a sweet girl um it was it was a pleasure being around her at syndicate um you know it would have been good for her you know if she knew she was having weight issues why not just go 45 i think that 
it's you know she's a former champion and it's much more of a wide open division and she wouldn't have to strain herself with a weight cut so it didn't make sense to me that she continued to put herself in the situation I, i'm not gonna lie aaron i was not a huge fan of um that um that that documentary preview that came out during her fight week i'm sure you saw that about her weight cut to, to 125 pounds yeah. She's like Shevchenko. not involved with it. She hasn't heard from the director in like years. She's, she told me. Yeah, and that's good. You know, and I'm not, I'm not pinning this on her at all because I'm like I don't feel like this is something that she would do because I saw her at the PI training all the time, working with the whole staff. So I was like I was a little shocked when that came out. But you know, I think that the, the you know she'll find a place in another promotion and hopefully at 145 pounds. And as for Julie, I mean, just a heartbreaker. I I. I uh, Dude, she was she's still training hard right now. We were down in the training room last night, and she's busting her ass. I mean, she just she wants this so bad, and uh, there's there's a lot of frustration coming out of our camp as to why this fight didn't happen. And we know, you know, it was COVID, and you can't you can't uh, you can't discredit somebody for that because we've seen what kind of lasting effects it can have on an athlete. But it's just a frustration that she got this close. You know, she was right there, and. Uh, she just wants to fight. She, Julie's very much like me. We have that same similar fire to where we want to fight the best fighters in the world. She wants a shot at. She wants a shot at the goat. She wants a shot at Amanda Nunes. She she believes in her skills and uh, she's still working. You know, she's a tireless worker. She's in. The, I could send you video clips from last night. You just can't post them on the internet. <laughs> but uh, she's she's still busting her ass, man. So. It's cool to have her out here supporting me, and uh, you know we still, even though she's off the card, she's still, you know, we're she's still committed to being here for me, and, and it, that means a lot to me, you know, because she didn't have to be here. I would hard, be hard for me to be in her position. Like if I, if the roles were reversed and she was on the under, or she was on the undercard, and I'm fighting in the co-main event for the title, and my fight got pulled, I don't know if I'd show up. I don't know. I, I'd be a little heartbroken. So um, it shows that she's she's selfless and. Um, I'm just glad that she's here. Well, like I said earlier, Michael, you're a straight shooter, so I don't need to see videos. I'll take you at your word. Uh, thanks for the time. <laughs> Appreciate it. Best of luck against Vicente Luque this weekend. Thank you, Aaron. Take it easy, brother. Please be joined now by Vicente Luque, who will be facing Michael Chiesa this weekend at UFC 265 in Houston. You did your entire camp in Brasilia this time around rather than coming stateside. Why was that? Yeah, uh, I'm always back and forth between Brazil and Florida. And for my last maybe four fights, I did all the camp in Brazil because a lot of things. I mean, I have a great team over there helping me with Serrato MMA, uh, Daniel, my coach over there in Brazil. They are really, you know, focusing a lot on my fights and helping me out a lot. And also Gilbert and, and Henry from Sanford MMA, they're always in touch with us. They're always making sure that I'm getting what I need. And there's where my family is. There's where, you know, my wife, my kid now uh my my newborn is there and my mom so i just felt felt like there's this place to be right now with everything that was going on with the pandemic and everything just felt like being at home uh was the best thing to do and it has paid off my my last fights you know i've i've performed really well and been evoluting every single fight so this is your first child you just had yeah my first one first one power bench boy or girl the boy, Bento. Well, congratulations. Thank you. And how old is he? He is two months. He's going to be three months uh, on August 16th. So how's that changed your life, becoming a father? Yeah, it changed a lot. I mean, 
the first month was tough, you know, getting good sleep, but then uh, we, we got everything handled. And now, you know, at the end of the camp, I was really having a great nights of sleep and training camp was doing good. And, and it changes a little bit, but it's exciting at the same time, because even though it's a little bit of, of more work that I have to do, it's it's great to see you know my little boy growing and, and getting smart laughing and me smiling every time I get home back from training so it's just it just gives kind of you know I, I relax when I get home and I can see him and and just be chilling with him and, and playing with him I feel like fighters mentalities change once they have their first child you go from having this ego really wanting to become the best and become the, the champion to not only just having that but also having the idea of becoming a provider has, has your mentality changed in that regard yeah for sure i think that i've always uh aspired to be you know uh, a champion and to really make an impact in this sport but now i think that's even bigger you know i, I not only want to be uh, a big athlete a great athlete for myself but now i want to be for my kid as well i want to be a great example for him to see that you know anyone that wants to chase their dream that chase their dream can reach it and can become you know whatever they want to become and and now with him it just makes that all even more you know uh important for me i believe it was after your last fight uh, your win over tyron woodley that kamaru uzman i think he was there and he came up to you and he said ah, another one of my friends is gonna is coming up and i'm gonna have to face them what, what did that uh, mean to you that interaction i mean i think it was uh it was very good in the sense that i know that i'm i'm climbing up the division soon i'm gonna be fighting for the for the title fight and me and kamaru we have always been we always had a great relationship and we kind of knew that at some point, this would happen. We knew our, of each other's uh, qualities. We knew that both of us could eventually become champions. And he got the title. He's a dominant champion now. He has been showing that every single fight. And for me to have you know, that recognition is, is really good to, to see that the champion believes that I can get there soon and, and face him. And we're friends, but still, it's business. We're going to do what we got to do. And, and no, at the end, no hard feelings. It's kind of this double-edged sword because you and him and Gilbert, you all trained together. You all came up together. You're working with each other every single day and making each other so much better that you're all championship caliber. But eventually that means you might need to face each other. You might need to face Gilbert one day. You've been in Gilbert's corner. Who knows? I mean, I, I doubt that's going to happen because you guys are such good friends. But if one of you becomes the champion and that's the way it plays out, I mean, that's how, how it works. I mean, yeah, it, it's a crazy game. Me and Gilbert is different. Uh, we're really like brothers. It's it's more than just friendship. It's more than just being, you know, uh, work colleagues. We're really brothers. So it's it's a fight that I don't see happening. But we're going to figure something out if any of us is champion and then the other one gets to that point where they're going to face fight for the championship. We're going to figure something out. Maybe I move up or, or he moves division something. We'll see what, what happens. Now, the last time you fought in New York was the NMF Championship, you and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Uh, you fell short that night, but Gilbert Burns was able to get a win over Wonderboy. What do you think he did uh, differently that you wish you would have done during your fight with him? Yeah, Gilbert avenged me. It was a, it was a great <laughs> fight. I think he was really uh, intelligent. He, st like, he stuck to his game plan. He was disciplined every moment. I mean... When when you're fighting Wonder Boy, you gotta be smart, you gotta be intelligent, and you cannot play into his game. Many times he's trying to lure you to something so that he can counterattack, so that he can you know put on his strikes. He's really good at at, at hitting while moving back or at counterattacking you. 
And Gilbert was smart enough not to fall into his game and to keep dominating him every single uh, moment of the fight. Even when it was striking, he could keep the distance well. He got some, uh, Wonderboy was able to put some shots in, but overall I felt like Gilbert was really dominant in that fight. And I think he did the perfect job to, to beat a guy like Wonderboy, which is a tough, tough fighter. You could almost see it during the fight. You could see Gilbert kind of flip, flip a switch where he was, like you said, getting baited into Wonderboy's game where he just kind of said, no, 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 I've got to do what, what I do best. And it seemed like you could even see that happening during the fight. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really tough to fight a guy like Wonderboy. He has so many uh, different tools when it comes to striking. And at the same time, on the ground, uh, it's where we see that he's a little bit limited. And Gilbert, with his kind of grappling, I mean, the, the smart way to go was to put him down. Obviously, it was really hard to overcome the distance, overcome uh, Wonderboy's movement. But Gilbert was able to do that and, and stick to the plan. That's That was the biggest key, to be patient, to follow uh, his strategy and, and not be undisciplined, right? He, he kept himself composed all the time. Your opponent, Michael Chiesa, had a very dominant performance over Neil Magny. He was a very, very tough opponent. Uh, tell me a little bit about Michael Chiesa and how you're preparing for him. Yeah, Chiesa is a tough guy. Uh, he's, a, he's overall really good, but his biggest tools are wrestling and, and grappling. I think that's what he's going to do against me in the fight. So I got really prepared for that. I did a lot of grappling work, a lot of wrestling work. That has always been a big focus of me as a striker. I want to keep the fight standing. And in order to do that, I got to have good grappling and good wrestling. So it's a fight where I think it's going to be that classical uh, grappler versus striker. I'm going to try to keep it standing. He's going to try to take me down. He's got good skills in that, and I got good skills in striking. And we're going to see who, who's able to prevail that night. And I anticipate a lot of action, at least from my part. I'm going to go in there and, and try to get him out before the three rounds. I spoke to him earlier today, and I asked him, you know, is it good to have an opponent that you're kind of scared of? I mean, Vicente, you're a beast. <laughs> you're an incredible fighter, one of the top guys in the division. And he said, yeah, I mean, I, I like to have a, a guy where I know I'm going to have to really be as sharp as possible that night in order to get a win. Do you feel the same way about him? Definitely. I think uh, he is a tough guy. He has been showing in his last fights. He's on four, a four-win streak over tough guys, one of them a former champion. I think his move to welterweight was really smart on his part because he's a big guy. So, you know, I'm definitely ready for a tough Kiesa, a guy that is going to try to, let's say, uh, explore my weakness, which could be right the, the grappling. If you compare my grappling to my striking, I, I would say that my grappling is not at the same level as my striking, so he's going to explore that. And I, I got to be on point, and I, I feel like I am on point, but it's going to be a challenge, and I'm excited for that. What do you think happens with your division? You've got Colby Covington getting the rematch with uh, Usman. So he's basically faced the same guys. Well, I guess Gilbert as well. So he's faced Gilbert and he's faced going to have faced uh, Colby twice, uh, Masvidal twice. There's going to have to be a new challenger at some point. Leon Edwards is on a great streak. Yourself and Chiesa are on, are on streaks. You guys are doing a great job. Uh, how do you think that the division shakes out when all said and done? So after the Colby fight, let's say Usman retains the title. What do you, what do you see being next for Kamaru? Yeah, I, I think that one of the three names you said, me, Kiesa, and, and Edwards, are the guys to fight him next. Uh, what me and Kiesa have of different is that we haven't fought Kamaru yet, so that would be a new fight. 
I know that Leon faced him way back, uh, I think, 2016. So, yeah, that would be an interesting rematch. And for me right now, I think the biggest thing is to get a big win over, over Chiesa so I can, you know, jump in front of the line. And I don't know, maybe, possibly get a title fight and jump and jump everybody. But if not, make, uh, I think, one more fight. But the biggest thing is to get a big win over, over Chiesa. That's what's going to kind of secure me maybe one more fight and, and go for the title. I want to see Leon face Gilbert. I think that should be the next thing. If, if Leon wants to prove that he's a title challenger, I think a win over Gilbert would be the thing to do. It. And, and if he's not a title challenger, Gilbert will beat him. And I think the winner of you and Chiesa would probably be next after that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, that's an interesting fight. I think it's a good fight for both guys. Uh, Gilbert is tough. I, I do believe that Gilbert will beat Leon, but still, I think it's an interesting fight for the division. And yeah, that if if Edwards could go past Gilbert, then he would prove a point. He would prove that it's undeniable, you know, to give him the title fight. But yeah, that would be a great fight. Tough one for for Edwards, and an interesting one for us to watch. Is Gilbert with you this weekend? Who, who's cornering you? Uh... On uh, Saturday yeah, night. Gilbert, Gilbert, Henry, and Daniel will be cornering me. And every time that I can be on his corner or he can be in, in mine, we're going to be there. We're always helping each other out. And he's here. He's here. Uh, he got here Monday and has been working with my weight cut, has been keeping me on point with the techniques and everything. So, yeah, we're always helping each other out. Now I can see what you what you mean when you say it's different with you and Gilbert. You guys are just always in each other's corner and helping each other out. That would, that would be a, have to be a very sensational situation for uh, anything along those lines to happen. But anyways, Vicente, thank you for your time. Appreciate it. And uh, best of luck this weekend against Michael Chiesa. Thank you. Really appreciate it. And let's go. Saturday night's going to be an exciting one. I'm now joined by crew Bob Perez, who has a pretty big couple months ahead of him. You got Derek Lewis in the main event going for the interim championship against Cyril Gunn. And then next month, you got Lauren Murphy facing Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, that's another big one, UFC 266. So, Coach, how, does, does this affect you at all? I mean, you've had fighters fight for championships, I'm sure, every now and then. But to have them in back-to-back months must be a little bit of extra stress on you. It's definitely stressful. It's 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 a blessing, though. We're, we're very fortunate, very happy, very lucky to be in these positions. They've worked very hard to be here. Um, but it, they're, they're just we're going to view them as fights, you know, um, and, and the task at hand to complete. And uh, we'll just go from there. Now, I love speaking to Derek because he's a funny guy and he's, you know, he's always giving me fun quotes. But I can never get a read on the type of fighter he is, the type of guy. Is there, there he is. It's Derek, yeah, I can never get a good read on him because he's always joking around with me. So I want to I want to pick your brain about Derek Lewis. What do you think people underestimate about him? Because I'm looking at the odds. He's like a plus 350 underdog, which makes no sense to me, uh, given the power that yeah. he possesses. But w- w- why is he underestimated? You know, man, in all honesty, I mean, I, I think he's he's a lot better than people give him credit for. He's a lot smarter than people give him credit for. Um, he's to me, one of the best athletes in the heavyweight division, believe it or not, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't fit the profile. He doesn't have the six pack. He doesn't walk around, you know, uh, just like look at my muscles type stuff. Um, so he doesn't look the part, but if you look at, at what he's done, that's undeniable. You know, you can look at a lot of his stats, you know, the whole knockout King thing, you know, he's tied for that, uh, tied for second most, uh, wins in UFC heavyweight history. Um, you know, if he can win on Saturday with a knockout, then he's the all-time leader and tied for first, you know. Um, 
you know, I, I just think, you know, and I think a lot of times, you know, with what he says to the media or the press, you know, he, he kind of doesn't take himself too seriously. But man, the man can fight. I was going to say, is that somewhat by design that he wants people to kind of underestimate him and think that he's just this jokey guy? Because when he gets in there, he's just a killer. I, I think so, man. You know, he just um, he, he does take this seriously. This fight camp, for example, you know, um, it started with a Curtis Blades fight when they were supposed to fight initially in November. You know, Derek, you know, used to kind of, I guess, make his own rule book in regards to training, what he wanted to do. And he's seen how, you know, we've got 100 fighters at our gym. You know, I think, you know, how everybody else is training. He's like, man, Bob, you know, whatever y'all say I'm going to do. He's an extremely coachable guy, extremely coachable. And we've been together eight years and I saw him six days a week for this camp. And he did, you know, grappling days, hard drilling days, striking days, strength and conditioning. Um, you know, he would go run or bike on his own. So he took this very seriously. How much of a game changer was the back surgery? He didn't, I'm sorry. He didn't have back surgery. He had knee surgery. So he's got L4, L5 herniated discs. And the doctor initially had said, you know, um, that, that surgery is recommended, but it would need to be done after his fighting career. You, you definitely don't want to um, have the surgery during during his career. That being said, the, the knee and the back were kind of feeding off of each other. So when he had the knee surgery, it helped alleviate a lot of the back problems. Every now and then, you know, it'll, it'll like give him a little problem, but nothing like it did before. Now, Cyril Gaon, I think we know what kind of fighter he is. He's a f fantastic technical fighter. He's a master of using his range. You know, I, I would compare him from a stand-up perspective to John Jones. I think that's why people are so intrigued about John Jones in the heavyweight division is because, you know, you can do a lot of pitter-patter stuff, but if you, if you get hit with something big in the heavyweight division, it's different than getting hit by someone in the light heavyweight division. So with Derek, is he going to be willing to just eat some in order to get in there and, and land something big? We never want to eat anything, but, you know, uh, if he's got to eat a couple to give one, you know, of course he'll do it. You know, um, you know, we, I think, prepared exceptionally well for him. We brought in the right looks for Cyril, um, and his style, and everything about his game. When you look at Cyril Gunn, he brought in somebody who was very unorthodox to try to mimic Derek, somebody who was going to do things that were unexpected. Is that a good idea? And uh, do you think it's even possible to emulate Derek? I think that his timing is really something that he that's really overlooked with him. He's got fantastic timing. I think Derek's timing, his speed, his fight IQ are all underrated. You know, honestly, even if I wasn't his coach, I would still, you know, say that. Um, and, and Derek is actually pretty orthodox. He's not an unorthodox striker. You know, um, the combinations that he, I mean, other than like just getting into a dogfight, you know, and, you know, if they just start slinging, then that's a little different. But man, he'll throw a two piece, he'll throw a three piece, you know, four piece combo, cross across, you know, whatever. So, you know, his kicks are kicks, knees are knees. There's nothing like crazy that what he does, but I just think his speed and power, you cannot prepare for it. Now, I, I, with Cyril, again, is this the kind of guy that you think uh, people don't want to see as, as a heavyweight champion because people want to see heavy hitters at heavyweight, they want to see knockouts, they want to see action-packed fights, and that's not really what Cyril brings to the table. You know, he, he's definitely more of a finesse fighter, um, but you got to remember he, he's a massive man. He's a big dude. So he, he can – all of these guys, all these men, women in the UFC, no matter what weight class, you know, if you hit the, you hit the button, they're going to go to sleep. So he definitely has the potential to knock people out. But stylistically, that just kind of hasn't been his thing. You know, it's kind of a hit and run type of um, strategy. 
Is it hard to find people to spar with Derek? Because, I mean, like you mentioned, one of the all-time knockout leaders in UFC history. No, um, Derek, believe it or not, over the years, the problem before, he, he wouldn't spar because he had a difficult time separating fighting from, from spar, you know? Uh, and it would just turn into a fight. And Derek would usually just sleep, guys. But over the years, and, you know, especially in the last year, his comfortab uh, comfortability of, of training, drilling, technical, technically sparring with guys has been amazing. And we've got some really great big dudes at the gym that can kind of fit any, any like, profile that we're trying to fill. You mentioned how coachable he is. What were you yelling in the waning seconds of the Volkov fight? You know, um, I, you know, the, the corner instruction that I gave him was essentially, you know, that we were behind, that um, we, you know, allowed, you know, Volkov to, to dictate range and move forward. And I told Derek he had to get inside on him in, in order to beat him and, you know, put him on his back and finish him was exactly what I said. Um, and I told him, you know, it was kind of kill or be killed, do or die, we're down. How pivotal was rewatching that Volkov fight in preparation for this one, given how similar Volkov and Gon are? All right, Coach, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. We're having some connection difficulties, but uh, I, I appreciate your time. Thank you for doing this. It's great to pick your brain on, on Derek, and uh, best of luck to both of you uh, this Saturday. Thank you so much. You have a great day, my friend. A huge thank you to our guests, UFC President Dana White. Derek Lewis, Michael Chiesa, Vicente Luque. As I mentioned off the top, please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get these podcasts. We appreciate it. You can also listen to the standard version of the TSN MMA show if you subscribe to this feed. You can hear us on TSN Radio in Toronto and Ottawa. We appreciate that. You can see my TSN Edge picks. Uh, I post those on Twitter, and they're on the TSN Edge website. And uh, all of our video content available at tsn.ca slash UFC. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week with more great interviews. Uh, I think I'm going to be speaking with... Uh, Rich Chu next week of, uh, of Bellator, former Bellator matchmaker, now working at Wimp2 Warrior. So looking forward to speaking with him. And we've got some other things on the horizon. So check it out then. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.